everybody. Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. This is episode number 96, A Conversation with Glenn Dewis. Hey everybody, welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier, and I am super lucky this episode to be joined by a man who I'm pretty fortunate to be able to call a friend. And that is the amazing, the incredible, the super talented, I'm trying to make him blush over over <laughs> Skype, Mr. Glenn Dewis. Hey, Glenn, how you doing, man? I'm very good, mate. And you did manage to make me blush, believe me. And so, <laughs> That's very kind of you to say that. Very, well, it's all true. And, and of course, for those of you who don't know Glenn, uh, he's got a pretty dark sense of humor, so making him blush is a lot of work. <laughs> uh, so I really want to... Welcome everybody to listening. Glenn is an amazing instructor. He's an amazing photographer, and I'm really, really happy to have him with us today. So, Glenn, maybe you can help out uh, those folks who are living in a cave or perhaps their parents' basement and tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, like you say, Ross, I'm a a photographer. Uh, I used to say I was a photographer, retoucher, and trainer, but I kind of generally go down the lines of photographer and author now because things have moved on over the past few years. Uh, but I'm based just outside of Oxford in the UK. And I guess if I, off the top of my head, I've probably been around the industry, oh, I don't know, maybe 11 years, something like that. Roughly, I'll have to check on that one. But didn't uh, never intended to be a photographer or a retoucher. I literally fell into it by accident. But uh, it was just... One of those things that when I saw it, I thought, I love this. And my whole kind of direction in life and what I was doing completely changed because of it. But very fortunate to be um, picked up by some well-known people as I was working my way through and developing myself. And Dave, it really has kind of shown me that it's not necessarily what you know, but who you know that can really, really help you out. Um, This can be a very lonely business and industry if you think you can do it all on your own in your own sort of um, office, you need to have those connections. So I've been very fortunate with that. I think that's super gracious of you to say, but I'm going to take a different position that if you weren't the outgoing sort that you are, and if you didn't have the talent that you do have, all the connections in the world won't help you if you suck. And you don't. I mean, so a bit of kudos to you because I think that I think that the work that you do is really amazing. Um, I had the great good fortune to meet you for the first time i think it was probably the first year that you taught at photoshop world Uh, all right and um, i just really liked what i saw you know because there are lots of great photographers and there are a number of great educators but it's the person who can bring the two together that i think really helps all of us because we're all in this together despite how big we think the industry is relatively speaking we're still a pretty small community Um, absolutely folks as you know interviews tend to have some kind of flow and some kind of schedule. And I'll tell you straight up front, I sent Glenn some questions up front, so I wasn't going to blindside him. Um, (laughs) Right until this one, because if you don't know, and you're listening to this podcast, so there's another one that you should be listening to. It's called He Shoots, He Draws, and it's Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. And if you don't know Dave, Dave is an incredible designer. Uh, He's also a superb instructor. And the two of them together are... Well, they're just bloody dangerous, and that's all I can say about it. <laughs> but I listened to Glenn and Dave's podcast, and I was inspired. I was listening to one today that they recorded at Photoshop World. So I'm actually changing my first question, 
And I'm doing it purely for the benefit of Glenn because like he's going to know where this has come from. So, Glenn, before we get started, what's your favorite F-stop? <laughs> you know, as soon as you said you were going to change, I thought, oh, I know where this is going. That was the, the Joe McNally interview, right? It I mean, was. That, that it was. was. That was such a lot of fun. It really was. Do you know, again, going back to the connections I've made in this industry, I feel so privileged with the friends that I've got in this industry. I really do. And I put you in that bracket as well. I've made some incredible friends through this industry. And they're friends, without a doubt, that at any stage, if ever they called me and they needed help, I'd go there at a drop of a hat. I really would. I'm just uh, – but Joe, Joe, as you know, you know Joe. He's oh, just, yeah. He's been my well, teacher and my mentor in the past. The guy's just yeah. – he's a freaking rock star. If our industry has what, rock what, what stars – really what I, what I love about Joe is that there's no difference between the stage, Joe, and what you do or how you kind of find him when you speak to him on a one-to-one. So many times I would go to functions, and I still do, and you'll see the occasional instructor, certainly here in the UK, that there's, kind of, there's definitely a stage presence, uh, and they're very different off stage. Joe's just not like that. And I kind of, if I could be like anybody, I'd be like Joe. Yeah. Because he's just, there's everything about him. His work is incredible. It's just his work ethic. Man, that guy works hard. He does, and he's he's so completely humble, and he's such a real human person. I, I want to get started, though, Glenn, because one of the things that I've found that makes you both successful and a super popular instructor, and, and look, I can say that because I've sat in the front row for years, and I see that the rows fill up. You're very, very popular with photographers and designers and other artists. One of the things that you always have emphasized is that photography, post-processing, the tools that we use, they're skills that can be learned, but in to do the learning, you know, the person doesn't have to spend decades in lengthy, rote, tick-by-tick education. Everything doesn't have to be super complicated. Would you be so gracious as to share your thoughts on why your approach of just trying new things has helped you been be so successful and how it might help other folks. Uh, it's a good question, Ross. That, that was one of the ones obviously you sent over. And it's kind of made me, did, I did maybe think of a few different ways to answer that, but I'll speak to it on a uh, personal level, how I've kind of approached things because I think photography, especially photography, not necessarily the retouching side of things, it has or it can be made to look incredibly difficult. Now, I don't know if that's an intentional thing by some people or the person trying to explain it can't do it that well. And they make it sound and look very, very difficult. I'm somebody who really does just dumb stuff down. Um, you, I think you came into one of the classes where I talked about the Rembrandt lighting and yeah. how I kind of tower teach that. And I, I literally looked at that because, I'm, mate, in a million years, I never thought my name and Rembrandt lighting would ever be in the same sentence. You know, it was never going to be a consideration. But over time, I got to realize that there must be a simple way of doing this. So I will just break stuff down and I'll say, right, how has that light got there? And I will just literally practice. That's the biggest thing I've done since day one is constantly practicing. And that's not necessarily always by having somebody in front of my camera or a, a picture of a person to photo, uh, to uh, to retouch. It could be a still life. It could be a mannequin head that I've just practiced on. I've, I, there was a say, I forget who it was who said it. It was a wise person, so it definitely wasn't me. But somebody said, to know and not to do is not to know. And I was like, 
What? Hey, but but think about it. It's like we could have. I mean, you can see behind me. I got loads of books on my shelves here. You can see behind you. You got loads of books on your shelves there. It's okay having these books, but if you don't apply what you read in these books, you might as well not know it. Absolutely right. So 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 I would read this stuff and go okay, and then go off and do the actual practice side of it. I would grab I would grab anybody and everybody, anybody that would sit still for five minutes. I'd grab them and try and take a picture because constantly learning. I know I've always had this mentality in my in whatever I've done in my life with the, the bodybuilding and, and uh, when I used to go to drama school that I could always get better and I'm only as good as my last job. So when I'd try something, I'd then say, right, now, how can I make that better? And I'd be constantly searching for it. Um, I kind of hope that makes sense. But I guess I guess the overriding message there is, is not just to read and watch something about how to do it, actually do it. And having nobody to stand in front of your camera, if we're talking about photography, isn't an excuse. You can get mannequin heads for £5 or, or $7 off eBay. You can go and get little toy figures and, and practice with them because if a lighting style works on a little figure, it will it will work on a bigger scale with a real person. So that's kind of the way that I approached it. And I think I, I really like the approach that you took to the Rembrandt lighting in your class. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen that, well, sign up and go to Photoshop World because Glenn's always teaching and you'll always learn something from him. Now, I've taught lighting for, well, no, it's going on to year number 12. And of course, as you know, well, you got to teach everybody the different styles of light. But I really liked your approach in that it was experimental. Why does this happen? Okay, mm -hmm. let me try that. I also have to echo. Uh, your suggestion about getting a mannequin, I actually have two. I have Sandra, she's just a head, and I have <laughs> Darla, she is a full-size mannequin that my wife dressed in a business suit, and I put her just inside the door of the studio because, you know, giving uh, new people a heart attack is always fun. <laughs> and she's quite ter she's quite terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I know Frank Dorhoff has a full size one. I went to it, and he's the, as you go into his studio, it's really quite dark as you walk in. And sure enough, he's got this full size mannequin, and it freaked the life out of me when I first went there a few years back. I'm sure he did it on purpose. It's like the Bat Cave in his studio. Oh yeah, no doubt. Frank's uh, <laughs> Frank's definitely got his dark on from time to time. <laughs> he certainly has. So Glenn, lots of the work that you've shared over the years. Uh, has been oriented around what I'm calling, and I don't know that these are your words, very a project style of approach. You've got a thematic concept, and then you build works around that project. Now, you have a vision, but you build it, and at the risk of sounding goofy, it's almost like Lego. I recall one of your early sessions where you were doing a composition, and you were really clear that it wasn't finished, not until not the shadows weren't there, but until the individual blades of grass weren't there, mm -hmm. I think it might have been a hippo or an elephant foot, where mm -hmm. you were just saying, it's those little steps that create this framework. Is that a methodology that you can teach or share, or is there a framework that you've published through your site that can help folks who want to try to do this stuff? But, I mean, let's face it, there's all kinds of stuff on the Internet, and a lot of it is... Uh, that's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> so how do you, how would you coach folks so they can do this? So it, it's fun and it's exciting and there's a learning opportunity, but it doesn't become, you know, heads down trial by death work. Okay, so uh, so Mark, before I answer that, I'll throw a question back to you. Is that, are we talking mainly about 
compositing in Photoshop or are we talking just generally about the stuff that I do? I would say generally, because even if I think to uh, your project that you did last year around the home guard. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. There was definitely, uh, at least to me as a viewer and observer of the work, you definitely had a, a process or a work process that you had created to get from where you started with the shot to achieving mm -hmm. the vision that you had. Yeah. Okay. So I think what, yeah. Okay. So if we talk about that home guard one, that, that literally was a project. I've, I've always believed that projects are vitally important to, to growth because what I found was when I first started out and you have the full-time job and I think I've said to you before, days, weeks, months can go by when you've not picked up your camera or you've not done something with Photoshop. You've, you've got to have something that you can kind of be working on continually. Because what I used to find was that, let's say I, I knew that, oh, I'm off. On, I'm not working on Saturday. Right, I'm going to go and photograph a friend of mine. I am hope they're free. Or I'd go and find a friend of a friend who knew somebody. And they'd get in the studio. I'd put all this effort into it. I would be the only one that was excited. I'd take the pictures. They'd be okay, nothing special. And then it was almost like that, getting that motion going. I'd have to push, push, push to get that kind of excitement. I'd do the photo shoot, then it would stop. And then I'd be thinking, right, what do I do next time? So I'd have to go through that whole process again of trying to get excitement, trying to come up with an idea, trying to get the excitement going with the person I'm photographing. We'd go all the way through it, do the photo shoot, and voila, we have to do it all over again. And that used to really frustrate me because they didn't seem, I didn't seem to grow. It was almost like one step forward, two steps back. So it was actually Joel Grimes who said to me that I should get a project. I should actually choose a project. And that can be anything. But what it has to be is something that you are interested in, because then you will want to naturally develop it. So I started off, first of all, doing this um, animals project, which is, I think, the one that you're referring to. Yeah. And that's where I would you know, cut the animals out of their kind of um, environments where they were in captivity and try to make it look as if they were out in the wild, because I'm, I'm a huge animal lover. So I love doing that. And then I started to doing the physique stuff because I used to photograph, I used to be a bodybuilder, so I was interested in photographing physiques. But then I naturally got drawn to this home guard one that you mentioned earlier. And that was purely because I've got a real fascination with World War II and the history. And it was only going to be a project about World War II and the home guard in particular. I'd seen pictures by folks like Annie Leibowitz. I love her work. And it literally was, you know, without kind of get a little plug in here, but like the book that I've written, Photograph Like a Thief, take something from what she's done and write, how can I bring that into my pictures? So the, I was forcing myself to learn stuff. Well, how would she do the colouring? How would she do the lighting? And combining that, combining the love of the World War II stuff as an example, and then combining the love of Annie Leibowitz's work and, and the photography and the Photoshop, it was like a marriage made in heaven. I absolutely loved it. And that's why the project now is continuing to grow. It's no longer just the home guard. This is going into civilians within World War II period and, and so on and so on and so on. And I'm absolutely loving it. And if I was to pinpoint one thing that has helped me to progress and get to the stage where I'm now extremely comfortable with what I'm doing and have the happiest I've ever been in what I'm doing, it would be down to projects having a project because you're thinking about it even when you're not thinking about it it's kind of it's just with you all the time and you'll see something completely random you'll see something and then you go oh now that would be great for my project that location there would be good or that clothing there would be good it's there all the time and when you've got that excitement we might come on to this in a moment when you when you come got that excitement into a project and you speak to somebody saying i'd love to photograph you rather than trying to tell them what you want to do 
you show them what you want to do and that gets them excited rather than trying to convince them to get in front of my camera i need to take a picture but if you say look i want to do this with you people will be like oh yeah i'd love to do that it's incredible what you find out locally to where you live when you have a project it really is i really appreciate you taking the time to elucidate the approach because you know as an instructor myself and as a photographer you know, i'm okay but when i'm not focused on an outcome the work is different than when I am. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what I, I mean? Totally get that. Yeah. Uh, I had a young, young girl that I was photographing when she was coming up and, you know, very, very photogenic, very nice girl. The best photo that I ever got from her was when I told her that I wanted her to channel her inner Gal Gadot, you know, oh, the actress oh, who yeah, played yeah, Wonder yeah, Woman. Yeah. yeah and yeah. she did. And that photo, I mean, it's the one she loves best, her family loves best. It's, right. the, it's okay. the one that really rocked. On the now, that, that, that there, Ross, that's really interesting you say that, because this also is something that we, me and Dave kind of stumbled upon years ago when I took a picture of Dave for the very first time as the editor, the one with the cigar. Yeah, yeah. I know you, I know you know the story behind that, but, you know, for, the, for those listeners who don't know this, Dave, was, is, is, as Ross has already said, great friend of mine. Extre- there's just no way on earth he would ever get in front of my camera. Any suggestion of it, he'd have been down on all fours like some member of the Special Forces and out of the room, gone. But we had to get him to do it because a model I'd hired didn't turn up or they, they cancelled on us. So we gave Dave a character to play, which was Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man. Right. And, and Dave was just, he got into the character. So Dave found it surprisingly easy because he wasn't being himself. And I think to this day, that's probably one of his favourite pictures, that and the one that we did of him as Carl from Up. Yes. But that, you really touched on a really valid point there, mate, about the, the giving people a character to be in. And they've only got to be that. If you're in a studio, they've only got to be in character for one 125th of a second anyway. They haven't got to be, you know, an actor. They can just hold that pose for one 125th of a second and you're done. But I, I've, you, you know, my portfolio that I used to get asked loads of times, well, you got a lot of pictures of men on there in your portfolio. That was a conscious effort for me not to have a lot of, uh, portraits of women in there because I saw at the time I saw a lot of that and I wanted to do something different and I actually felt more comfortable mate taking male portraits because I've never been one for uh, uh, you know like the tilted head and, and all that kind of ooh ah kind of posing you know what I mean uh, guys I so <laughs> wish you could see the faces he's making <laughs> you know, you know what? it's just as well this is an audio and not a video <laughs> But, you know, those kind of pictures, Ross, where you've got, I mean, some of the, you see some beautiful stuff, but it's just not my kind of stuff where you get women leaning and, and, and it's just not me. No, so I, never... I hear you. I hear you completely. You know, we, we really do have to create the things that inspire us ourselves if we have any hope of, you know, inspiring somebody else. Uh, and, and I agree with your approach. You know, when I started to see a lot of your physique work, what I could see in it was and knowing you so maybe i'm applying you know uh, my own knowledge to it you are a professional bodybuilder you understand what it's like to work that hard you knew what a what a gym feels like so when you did the work uh, you did uh, a beautiful piece of work with a friend of yours i think who is a boxer a multi-martial oh, artist oh the steve in, cook the yeah, boxer, yeah yeah in the corner you know the shot is great but you also brought the feeling of, you know, the heat, the humidity, the sweat. 
I don't think that you can tell that kind of story if you haven't thought it through and watched what you're doing. It's kind of like you listen to Dave Black talk about how do you shoot swimming? Mm. You know, it's never the shot. It's the days of preparation. I don't know if you've mm. ever heard Dave talking about how he paced out the pool so he could mark on the edge where the swimmers would come up for air. So, wow. he, so he would be in the place ready when their heads came up. Because professional swimmers, proper repetition is some other skill, right? They always hit the same marks. Yeah, and this yeah. is how Dave gets those amazing shots. And so I, I look to you know some of the, the project work that you've done. I see the same sort of thing. You've got an idea, but you've engaged everybody to be part of it. And I think that's, that's awesome. That's exactly it. It's, it's, it's definitely a collaboration. So I would, for example, when I've been working with Steve, the, the kickboxer, whenever we've done a photo shoot, we would literally, he'd send me pictures, I'd send him pictures. And if I found someone go, Steve, I really think we should work on this. And we didn't just go to, the, to his gym and just set it up and do it. We talked about it while we're there. We said, all oh, right, what it could be, you could be sat down. Me imagine now you're like, it's the third round. Things are kind of going your way, but your coach is with you now, Mike, and he's giving you a bit of a pep talk. So we kind of lived that kind of whole feeling. And we have a laugh doing it. We've got music blasting away that's suitable for that whole kind of feel. So we're proper into it. And when that music's blasting, you get the old shiver down your back because you're really enjoying it and you're really in it. And they're enjoying it. And again, with Steve, he knows what he's going to get at the end of the shoot rather than I wonder what we'll get or me saying to him, hey, Steve, we'll do loads of pictures and I'll drop box you, you know, 100 pictures from this shoot. That's never going to work. I'll say to Steve, we're yeah. going to do this. And he's like, I want a picture of me like that. It's like with the bodybuilding, Ross. You touched on the physique stuff that I've photographed before. The reason I got into that was because when I was doing my bodybuilding, and yet I was in the magazines and all that kind of stuff, I never had the kind of picture that I wanted to have had. Maybe because I didn't really know photography then. I wasn't really doing it as such. But when I got into the photography, I always remember watching the Pumping Iron movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he says, treat your body like a sculpture. And I wanted to do that. So I would kind of do that rim lighting and minimal lighting here. And I had that thing called bathroom lighting to exaggerate all the definition. I love doing that. But it was the kind of pictures that I would have loved of me, but never did have it. Mm -hmm. I, remember, I remember having a photo shoot once after a competition I'd done up in the north of England. I went into the studio and this guy didn't know how to photograph physiques. And he was using Elinchrom lighting. And I think he had every single light that Elinchrom have ever made because, my God, bang, with the amount of light that he lit onto me. I looked like Casper the Ghost rather than a body. I was so blown out. There was no shadow highlights or anything. In fact, I was just one highlight. That's all I was. So I used to, I used to love doing that. But, you know, things move on. And I'm, I am absolutely loving doing this Fortis project. I really am. I think it's brilliant work. And. You know, my dad served during the Second World War. He uh, he started in the Navy, was seconded to SOE, which you as a Brit would understand. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but most Canadians don't. You know, there are a lot of outcomes from that. And this is what, you know, you talk about having worked with Steve and other people. One of the things that I noticed uh, is that you're not working with pro models all the time. You're working with regular folks mm -hmm. and you help them get at ease in front of the camera. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think you and I both experienced that if you want to make somebody change into something weird, just point a camera at them. Do you know, do you know, Ross, I actually find it harder. I do work with models occasionally. I actually find it harder to photograph a model than I do a regular person. 
because a model has come with kind of like a maybe a preconception of what I want. So they start doing stuff that I go, whoa, 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 don't want you to do that. Perfect yeah. example. We had the photography show. It's a big show over here in the UK uh, in March of this year. And I was working with a guy called um, Lewis, who is a model, but he's you, he doesn't behave like a model. He doesn't. He's not got all that. Doesn't do all the moves. He'll wait for you to ask him to do stuff. And he's the guy that was in the RAF uniform. So that's Lewis. Right. And that was on the Ellingcrum stand. I was also doing stuff for Westcott, and we had they'd uh, the guys at Westcott had organised for a female model to come in. Lovely girl, real great fun to chat, chat to. But photographing her was quite hard. Because she'd be normal. The minute I brought my camera up, she'd then do that kind of like broken neck thing where the head turns to one <laughs> side and, and then all the pouting. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Just look at me, drop the eyes, just, just stare straight into the lens. And all right, okay, okay. Camera comes up, broken neck, pouty lips. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I think so, they're trained, you know, so often they're trained that way. I've, yeah. I, you know, I, and I'm sure you've done it. You've been to workshops. I've run, been to workshops and run them. And it's almost like, Someone clicks the go button on the stopwatch, and they're hitting a pose every four seconds, and they all look alike. Yeah, but you look at you look at someone like Joel Grimes's work. Joel's doing a lot of single light work with a, an overexposed background, like a by a window. Look at the women that he's photographing. It looks completely unposed. It looks it natural. Does. It looks beautiful. It does. Whereas whereas what I experienced quite a lot, certainly with those other, you know, the people I have photographed recently, was that they will force a pose. It's like, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. Just relax, you know. You're you're right on it. And I mean Joel's just a genius and but he understands how to work his talent and help mm-hmm. those people get what they want out of the shoot. It's, it's all about it's all about bringing them on board yeah. rather than rather than having this kind of I'm the photographer, you're the model. You've got it. It's, it's a collaboration, and the more you can build that relationship with the person you're photographing, the better that will be. I, I very, very rarely, if ever, the first time I meet someone is when I photograph them. I always always meet them for a coffee. If it's a woman that I'm photographing, I'll encourage her to bring a friend along. We'll meet somewhere public, like in a Starbucks or wherever. Yeah. Just get to know me a little bit. So then when we do meet up, that barrier's already been broken down. So already they're more relaxed. So when it comes to the photo shoot, away you go. I actually give them homework as well. When we're working on pictures, I'll say, right, for example, if we're using Pinterest, we'll set up a Pinterest board and say, like, start sending me pictures of what you think you would be good. So that when we go to the photo shoot, we're not kind of plucking ideas out of the air. We're going, look, we'll do this one here. Check this out. So that gives us a starting point, and then we move on from that. But that's 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 personally how I've always seemed to get great, you know, results. I'm really happy with. So I think that's great guidance for folks. The the whole concept of the idea board, using mm. Pinterest, using you know, if it's not people, using 500 px, using whatever resources yeah. to help you plan what you're doing. Now, one of the things that I've that I would aspire to that you've done with great success is you've become a writer. And I think it's the third book that you've written that's coming out soon. Yeah. The Photoshop toolbox, the Photoshop toolbox. You talked about it a little bit at Photoshop world. I think the question that I want you to answer for the folks is why are you writing a book in 2018 given the whole tendency to go, oh, everything has to be short form. It's got to be a quick video. It's got to be a blog post. It can't be more than 600 words because nobody will read it. Now, you know, I own your books and I've read them more than once. They look like crap because I've dog-eared them and marked them up. And 
and I did I'm that glad with, you clarified that then. <laughs> and and I, I did that with Joe's books and, and, you know, the other artists that I would aspire to learn from. So can you help people understand why a book pertaining to the subject of photography, or in this case, tips from fo for Photoshop? And guys, when you see what Glenn's putting in here, because he showed us some of it, this is killer stuff. So why why do this now? Why write a book? I, I think I think if I was to kind of have the mentality of there's no need to write a book now because video is where it's at. Uh, I think that would be very short sighted of me to do that because every single person is different. Um, some people prefer to watch video because they can stop start it. Some people prefer to read. Now the ebook thing as well. Some people like to have an ebook. Some people like to have a solid hard kind of you know the, the paper they can smell it they can feel it they can move it around they can look at it i i always wanted to write a book i mean i can't believe i'm actually just finished my third one i've actually got plans for the fourth i just hope rocky not want to go for it um but i I love writing and i just think that it's it is an it's almost like it's gone full circle um there was a time when all the technology started to come into it that people thought that the end of books was you know upon us but now i actually think that books have come back on force again um and especially and this isn't a, an intentional plug for rocky nook what i love about writing for rocky nook is that they allow the writer to leave their voice in the words they're writing because i've had experience it myself and i know colleagues of mine have as well that when they're writing and they submit the work to the uh, the editor down the first line it'll come back with the edits on and the language has been changed it doesn't sound like the, the person that's written it you know, I, when I write, I literally leave all the ums and ahs and everything in. Do you know what I mean? Literally is. I would hope that when you read it, if you know me, you can almost hear me in the words. Well, then you're um, being successful because for me, and I do write, I mean, I write two posts a week for the country's largest camera store. I write my own articles and reviews. If it doesn't sound genuine, meaning if your books don't sound like you, why am I going to buy them? Well, exactly. It's it, because it's very much the whole education thing. I mean, you've mentioned it already. Look at the videos. Look at YouTube. There's there's so many YouTube channels. You know, mine's just one of them. There's loads of them, and a lot of them are teaching the same things. But why do you choose to watch that channel as opposed to that channel when they're teaching the same things? It's because you just either you like the way the person presents it, you like the way they sound, you like the way they're kind of you know just the, the way they explain it gets into your head so that you go ah yeah i get it some people have got that knack so when you're writing a book you don't write you don't want the book to be like some generic author you want it to be i want this to be like the person who's written this i want to hear their voice in it because i like the way they explain things look at scott kelby's books i mean oh, you look at the, the, the introduction to every single chapter you know, I mean, it's just Scott's humor. It's Scott. So people, it's Scott. It, so it's when Scott. you read that book, you could, I could tear the front cover off, give you that book. You'd know it was Scott Kelby. Yes. And that's what, that's what a successful book is. People buy, people buy into the person more than anything. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely yeah. more than anything. That's why, that's why I, I love, I love what we're doing because it is, it allows people like you and me to connect. You know, it's not like this, like there's a barrier. We, we've connected. We hang out. We still haven't hung out as much as I want to at Photoshop. We've got to have that beer. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. But you're damn sad busy there, brother. I was Every, this one. Everybody wants a piece of you. I, I was busy on this one, I must admit, yeah. I, I think they had what you, back-to-back, -back, like three classes in a row. Yeah. That, yeah. That's hard work. 
and and the the errors or the things that didn't go quite go to plan i'd like to say they were all planned of course they were, they were. but but, <laughs> well, but that's a, that's know, a that's a joke that we have in the camera club that i run it's like how many shots did it take you to get that one yeah, the answer is yeah. always one. One, yeah, that's right. Because that's, that's right. the one you're gonna see. Yeah, that's right. But but getting back to your question, why writing a book? I just I get a real kick out of it, and I think people like to have books these days. The books are definitely definitely flavor at the moment. I, I just I don't love them. I love them. I love writing. It's great. I like to share it. So I'm I'm kind of catching all the bases. Hopefully, so I'm doing videos that some people like. I'm doing books that other people like. So. Well, I think it's great. I know it's going to be a huge success. Uh, so, listeners, look for that book when it's coming out and order soon, because otherwise it's going to be like the last one where Amazon ran out. I, I am excited about it because it kind of it covers the approach that I have to teach Photoshop and because it is a, it's a huge beast. It can be so confusing. So it concentrates on three things, layer masks, brushes, and blend modes. Yes. What are, what are they? What can we do with them? But also one thing that I found from doing the videos on YouTube is that I might show a technique to do, I think I explained this at Photoshop World as well. Here's a technique how we can cut somebody out with frizzy hair. So that's that technique. And then I'll get an email from somebody saying, I saw your technique how to cut out somebody with frizzy hair. I now need to cut out a tree from a background. Have you got a technique for that? It's like try the same thing try the same technique so the book is all about saying look this one this technique does this hey let's try it over here hey look it works over here as well so it's to encourage people to try the same technique to, on different things to see what results they come up with and i think that's a very very important message that you're sending right there everything doesn't have to fit into a single box yeah i was at a big air show on the weekend and they had a, a vintage rcaf spitfire on the ground Horrible ground location, beautiful aircraft, mm. but I used some of the techniques that you have shared in the past, uh, both through your books and your website, on how do you deal on fixing the, you know, the the perspex of the of the cockpit, so the mask would show the placed background partly through, but didn't look like it had been cut out completely. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to make it look right mm -hmm. uh, if you're a bit of a perfectionist. So the applicability of a technique to more than one thing is super important. And I'm looking forward to seeing the book because I think people will really benefit from it. Well, it's called the toolbox so that there are, I always encourage people to learn as many techniques as you can for doing the same kind of thing. Because you might find that, for example, a technique that I love to use on eyes, if I had a portrait of you, it might not work so well on your eyes. But another technique that I've learned and is in my toolbox, I can bring out, try that and go, there you go. It's all about, you know, learning techniques, keeping them there in reserve, just in case you come across a situation where the one you favor doesn't work. You've got other ones you can call on. That's awesome. Now, when we were talking at Photoshop World, you told me that you wanted to get refocused on your personal development as a photographer. Mm -hmm. Can you help folks understand what you mean when you say that? And what's your approach to doing that? I think, I think what I was kind of alluding to there was the fact that uh, I am constantly wanting to push and improve my photography. I'm, I made a decision a couple of years ago, or actually, no, three years ago, 
when my first book came out, I was kind of known then as the guy that did Photoshop. And that wasn't something that I was kind of wanting to continue with. I wanted to be known as a photographer. So when that book came out, I made a decision, right, now I need to focus on photography. And the, the reason for that was very much a – it was two sides to why that was. Number one – I wanted to be a good photographer. I really did want to learn that and have something. So I hate to just play at something and get to a point where Are I there wish, any other I wish barriers I'd done that better in that. I want to find out how, the, how the can I improve now. The timing one is very common. And the other one was the, a business I, decision I as well, because obviously I'm in business with this. Um, Technology is improving constantly. You know, we only have to see recently with the introduction of all these extra third, you know, third party plugins that we can get. They're giving people some pretty damn good results within a few clicks. So my own, and this is my own opinion, was that for longevity in this industry, I saw it that it was essential for me to improve as a photographer more so than as a retoucher. That's what seemed really important to me, because no matter how good software becomes, garbage in, garbage out. If the lighting is bad, it ain't going to be brilliant anyway, no matter what plugin you use or whatever technique you use. So it was always important to me to be able to uh, produce a good picture to know how to deal with a situation without like, like, I mean perfect example when I came back from Photoshop World the very next morning I had to be up at 4.30 to drive 100 and something miles to go and do a photo shoot with a group of 21 people and I had 15 minutes to set up shoot it and get out that was really challenging by me forcing myself to learn my photography so that I become so much more confident with the technical side of it I was able, I'm able to deal with situations like that without losing the plot and freaking out. So that's why. That's that's probably why. And I'm just how how am I doing it? By constantly, constantly. When I'm not shooting for a client, I am always, always shooting for myself. And I always have the attitude of I'm only as good as my last picture. I think that's a very strong message that folks can listen to, and an approach that anybody can pick up. I admit to being biased. We're friends. <laughs> Folks know that I think the world of you. I think you're not only a great photographer, but a great artist. And I think that you're a terrific teacher. I'm an educator, too. I've been at it for decades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I've taught all kinds of stuff. But one of the things that I've run into a lot, and I'm curious on your perspective, when you are working as an educator mm -hmm. to impart knowledge, to help people get moving in the direction they want to go, what are the most common barriers that you hear about from your students? And what guidance can you offer to anybody who feels like they've hit a wall? I guess I guess the first one I hear is uh, they're not having the time. Uh, that one I struggle with to kind of accept because I know we've all got, you know, no, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got situations that they're, they're kind of dealing with. When I started this, I had a full-time job and I was working all kinds of hours doing some real crazy stuff. I still, I wanted to learn this. So even if it was five minutes, I would, I would find some time to do something. Do you know what I mean? And even if that was once a month, at least I was doing something. The other, the, the, I guess the main thing I hear is that, and this is a question I get asked is, I, ca I can't get, how do I get people to photograph? I want to do this, but I just can't seem to get people to want to be photographed. And you know what? Out there is a completely untapped resource of people who are desperate for you to take their pictures absolutely desperate but it's the way that people approach them that turns them off so for example we've talked about the bodybuilding the training there are 
thousands and thousands of gyms all around the world of people in there who spend a lot of money and a lot of time and dedication to improve their physiques. They are desperate for pictures. But what you can't do is just walk in and go, oh, can I, I'd like to take your picture. Because number one, that's a bit freaky. And number two, they've had people ask that so many times. I found the best way to do it, the answer to it, and it's not just with the physique stuff, but with any time you want to take somebody's picture, don't tell them, show them. And it goes back to what I've already mentioned. Have a picture in mind that you go, I'd love to do this. And I'm pointing to, as if I'm pointing to a picture yeah. here, I'd love to do this with you. That 100% of the time solves the problem of, of the, I can't get anybody in front of my camera. Because the minute you show them a picture, you say, I'd love to do this with you. They can see the result they're going to get and go, man, that is fantastic. Yes, yeah, I want to do that. You, you book studio time. They will be there. They will be fully on board. They'll be as excited as you. And when you have that collaboration, you have two people excited, it, it just produces the best possible results. But you can't convince somebody or try to coerce somebody to have, please let me take your picture. I haven't taken anybody for a few weeks. If you can just say, look, this is what I want to do with you, you that no longer will that be an excuse because you won't, you'll always get people in front of your camera. So you're not the creepy guy with the camera at that point. I don't think so. <laughs> others, might say, others might say differently, but I don't think so. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, or I don't know. I don't know what to photograph, and that, and that can be difficult because you know we've all experienced that. Is what can I do now? That stop start. What can I do? What can I do? Just choose something that you're interested in. You know what I mean? What did you? If you if you've got no hobby now, what did you like to do when you were a kid? What hobbies did you have then? What what fascinated you then? Do a project on that. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think you can always you can always do that. And I guess another thing that's just come into my head, because, as you know, my head kind of goes all over different tangents uh, when people are saying, how can I get known? How can I if, if it's talking business, how can I get myself out there and get more clients? And the thing I find with that is that people and I think social media is partly to blame or, yeah, social media is very much to blame for this, is that people are trying to conquer the world before their next door neighbor even knows what they do. Yes. So get your, you know, hold, give, get, you get, we have in the UK, I'm, I guess you have it, we have village halls, local village halls where yes. you know, little things in the community can go on. Hire the village hall out for the day and have your own exhibition. We have, we have breakfast meetings, local business breakfast meetings. So every week on a Tuesday, certainly local here is every Tuesday morning, seven o'clock, local businesses go to this particular restaurant and we have a breakfast and we just get to know each other, what businesses are around, who are you, what do you do? That helps to spread the word about business. And it's a case of, oh, I didn't know, oh, photographer, I need a photographer. You just don't know what's going to happen from that. But people try to conquer the world before people in their community even know what they do. So I think that's very good advice that you're giving. Uh, there's certainly, there's still a lot of folks who think, well, if I can just get big follower accounts on Instagram, that's going to change my world. But it doesn't. It means nothing. It, it means, means nothing at all means nothing it really doesn't it's just most important thing is just to be consistent and who was it it was my my old training partner sean o'reilly said to me and, I, and i'll never forget it and i might should get a plaque for this on the wall here consistency not perfection is the key and he used to say that when it came to training when you have days when you just think i just don't want to go to the gym 
and you say, look, you've got to do it. Just come to the gym and you'd force yourself to go to the gym and it probably would end up being the best workout you'd had. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you do, the workout doesn't have to be perfect. You're doing it. You're going through the motion. You actually, you're, you're in that zone. You are doing it. Same with photography. It doesn't have to be the world's greatest project photo shoot that you're doing. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. You're doing it. Consistency, not perfection is definitely the key. Keep it with you all the time if you can. I mean, nowadays, no excuse. It doesn't have to be a DSLR or whatever. You've got phones. You know, you can be taking pictures of your phone. The fact that you're doing it, you're still thinking composition, lighting. It's still keeping it in there. So I think that's really important. I think that's I think that's awesome. I really want to thank you so much for your time, the commitment that you've offered. I'd like to this has just been awesome from my perspective. I hope it's been okay for you. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm over the moon that you've even asked me. I really do appreciate it, Ross. Uh, I'd love to have you and, if it's possible, have you and Dave on for a future episode, just because I, I like watching the two of you bounce off each other. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where two minds are greater than the sum of the individuals. Yeah, yeah. And, and not just because you've got dark, twisted senses of humor. We won't. We will not talk about towel floss. <laughs> on this episode <laughs> oh, we'll just leave that one for the hallway yeah, let's leave that one. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's if you're interested i think that'd be great now absolutely where can folks find you you know they want to they want to learn more about glenn Dewis. where okay. should they where should they be looking well, i mean quite simply mate you've mentioned already the the podcast that dave and myself do he shoots he draws uh which is available pretty much everywhere dave's done a great job of blasting that out uh my website glenn uh, and social media, there is loads of social media, but my main focus now is Instagram, Instagram stories uh, within Instagram there and YouTube, I guess. Those are the main ones. I am on the other ones, but my time is mainly dedicated to the Instagram side of things now. I find that works better for me. Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed uh, our conversation with the amazing Glenn Dewis. Don't forget, send in any questions that you may have that are related to photography or videography. If you've got any suggestions for future episodes, please send them in. It surely makes my life easier than having to try to come up with something all the time. And remember, if you're in Canada and you would be so gracious as to support the folks at henrys.com, that would be very helpful to us. And if you're international, don't forget to use the B&H link on thephotovideoguy.ca. And hey, if you really love what we've done, you can go to the website and you can buy me a coffee, which I promise <laughs> will not go to coffee. It will probably go to Kit to keep this stuff running. <laughs> Glenn, thanks so much, man. Thank you so much, Ross. All right, man. 